from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen, this that undisputed, yeah, we here to shock the system. This a war zone going down on Wednesday nights. This a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite. Weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution. This has changed to what the game is used to doing. This is all about that dark and white contrast. Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday night. This is the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, and I'm your host, Mike De Niro. Before we get into the show, I want to thank all our fans from all over the world for following along and subscribing to the show. Without your support, there is no us. Thank you for following us on Instagram, at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Let's get into a big show. Big week for AEW Dynamite. New Year's Smash, night two. Dynamite took place once again from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. And we started out tonight... With the grudge match that's been brewing on for quite a while, we had Pac versus Eddie Kingston. This was very reminiscent of the very first Dynamite ever because the show started out with a video package right away to lead into this big matchup, kind of like it did in the very first episode of AEW Dynamite. This was a really good opening matchup. On the outside, Pac had the Lucha Bros, so the full Death Triangle was there. On Eddie Kingston's side, he had the Butcher, the Blade, the Bunny, So there was a lot of shenanigans going on outside, but be that as it may, it didn't take away from the great action in the ring. This was a very fun opener. This lived up to the hype, and there was a lot of pent-up aggression in this matchup. Pac picks up the victory. Strong win for him. I think this is his biggest victory since returning to AEW on a weekly basis. And yeah, really good matchup. I'm going to give this a 3 out of 5 stars. It was a real fun opening matchup and a great way to start out Dynamite. We got Chuck Taylor versus Miro up next. This was a little surprising because Chuck Taylor got a lot of offense in on Miro. Now, let's talk about that. So, I feel like ever since Miro came to AEW Dynamite, he has not been portrayed as the monster that I think that he should be. Now, a lot of people are complaining about this, and I was holding off until I saw a little bit more of Miro, but... Yeah, is he being aggressive? Yes. Is he winning his matches? Yes. But he's not winning in a dominant fashion against guys that he should be dominating in the ring. 
Chuck Taylor is a very talented wrestler, been on the indies for a long time, but Miro should have absolutely ran through Chuck Taylor. Now, there was a portion of this matchup where he did take the beating to Chuck Taylor, but it was not at the proportion that I think that it should have been. So, how do you fix this going forward? I think, one, you got to cut the video game comedy act with Miro. Like, Miro is naturally funny, so he doesn't need someone who I feel is forcing it, like Kip Sabian, around him. And I think pairing him with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford is AEW's way of trying to capitalize on the past of Miro teaming up with Aiden English and Lana in the WWE, which I don't think Miro needs. I think Miro should be upper echelon, upper card, main event uh, wrestling right now. And I don't think that he's going to get there anytime soon with someone like Kip Sabian in his corner. I think there needs to be a separation of the two. Maybe Kip Sabian and Miro have a little breakup. Or maybe one of them goes heel on each other because they're both heels on the show. But definitely, I think that there needs to be a separation. I don't think that there's much chemistry between Kip Sabian and Miro at this time. I don't know. Like, I don't like this whole storyline that now Chuck Taylor is the butler of Miro. Like, who cares? This is bullshit. Anyway, yeah, Miro picks up the victory here. Just because I don't think that it played out the way that I think it should have played out, I'm giving this matchup a 1 out of 5 stars. Wasn't impressive. Love seeing Miro on AEW. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that... I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, he shouldn't be here. AEW has too many WWE cast-offs. That's another thing. I think that's a bullshit narrative, and people need to shut up with that. If someone loses their job, are they supposed to quit? And if there's a talented wrestler on the free agent market, is AEW just supposed to look over them because they used to work in the WWE? Like, come on, be real. If you was in the WWE and you lost your job because of COVID cuts, are you supposed to just not ever work again? And is AEW just supposed to not care? Fuck that. Of course AEW is going to try and get one of the best wrestlers in the world in Miro and sign them. And for everyone who says, oh, they have so many WWE cast-offs, let's remember that WWE has a whole lot of Ring of Honor and... Impact and a bunch of cast-offs from the independents. No one seems to care about how WWE raids every single company. But the moment a WWE wrestler goes to AEW or any other company, everybody looks down upon them and frowns upon it, which is 100% bullshit. So shut up with that bullshit narrative. Anyway, back to the show. Miro was victorious here. Like I said, one out of five stars, nothing special. Now Chuck Taylor is the young boy slash butler of... Miro and Kip Sabian. This is definitely leading to a Miro versus Orange Cassidy match or even a Kip Sabian Orange Cassidy match, which I think is the money match here because, you know, that's who we want to see. Orange Cassidy. Am I right? Am I right? We want to see Orange Cassidy. So I know I know my dog loves Orange Cassidy. And she wants to see <laughs> there you go. There you go. My dog wants to see Orange Cassidy. Shouts to Harley who just made her first ever appearance on a podcast. Yeah. High five, Harley. Okay, don't bite me. Anyway, next up, we got Big Money Matt Hardy having a promo with the private party. Private party signed the contract with Matt Hardy. Now they owe Matt Hardy 30% of whatever they make. It's a way of turning Matt Hardy heel. This is not really doing much for me. I'll see where they go with it next week. But as of right now, I got to see how this plays out. Next up, we have a big promo in the ring between the inner circle they all say, that, and this is the first time that the complete inner circle has been in the ring together since 2021 came. And they all tell the world their New Year's resolutions. 
This led to Chris Jericho saying that his New Year's resolution is winning the tag team titles with MJF. Now, if you remember, Chris Jericho was in a tag team with Sammy Guevara. They were the sex gods or less sex gods. Then he started a team with Jake Hager. Now he's teaming with MJF. So Santana and Ortiz, they had a problem with this. He said, well, Santana said that Chris Jericho hired them to be the tag team champions and the tag team of the inner circle. Now Jericho wants to take that limelight. So they have a problem with that. Sammy Guevara also has a problem with it because he said that Chris Jericho first teamed up with him. Now he's teaming up with, well, then he teamed up with Hager. Now he's teaming up with MJF. He calls Chris Jericho a tag team slut, which made me pop. Anyway, this is going to lead to a giant, giant, giant exhibition match next week on Dynamite. This might be one of the biggest matches in Dynamite history. We're going to have Chris Jericho and MJF teaming up against Santana and Ortiz teaming up against Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager. And the winner will be the official tag team of... Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. AEW, which is a very, very interesting concept. And I think that it's going to be awesome having all those guys finally face off each other. This could either be A, a really amazing matchup next week, or B, tons of shenanigans, a lot of comedy, and it could be just pulling the wool over our eyes and not have a match at all. That would be typical inner circle fashion. So who knows? Dark Order has a promo backstage. This is the first time we've seen Dark Order as a unit. Without Brody Lee, once again, rest in peace, Big Brody. They say that next week we'll have Adam Page teaming up with Silver and Reynolds again. And they finally are going to get the answer, is Adam Page joining the Dark Order? At this point, it looks like he's very friendly with the Dark Order, so it's going to be interesting to see if he officially joins the Dark Order. I think that after the passing of Brody Lee, the Dark Order needs some direction. They lost their leader. I could see... Adam Page being the leader of the group. Or maybe Adam Page does not. I don't know. 
We'll see what happens next week. But yes, it will be the return of Adam Page and Reynolds and Silvers as a treeway, a treeway, a trio tag team, a trio tag team. It's late. It's late. Don't, don't, you know, don't fault me for some of my mishaps here. Anyway, we got the next matchup was supposed to be the elites, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Danny Limelight and the Varsity Blondes. Danny Limelight and the Varsity Blondes already in the ring. Kenny Omega comes out to his big, big entrance. And then Don Callis takes the mic. He says that tonight Kenny Omega is teaming up with his best friends and the elite. And then it looks like he's about to announce the Young Bucks. And right before he does, he announces the Good Brothers. Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson are taking the place of the Young Bucks in this match. And that is the elite tangent. We got backstage, uh, a scene backstage where the Young Bucks look confused and disappointed. And Tony Khan is just shaking his head. This was not planned. But instead of it being Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, it's the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega versus the Varsity Blondes and the Limelight. Oh, in the Limelight. And Danny Limelight, who was making his debut here on AEW and made the most of his debut because he was very impressive on his team. He was very impressive on this episode. And I want to see more of Danny Limelight. This guy, you know, representing Boricua Boricua. And he looked like a million bucks in there. I like his uh, teaming with Brian Pillman Jr. and uh I forgot the other dude's name. Uh, what's the uh, Jungle Man? Not not Jungle Boy. Jungle Man, the one that looks like the big Jungle Boy. Um, damn, it's going to come to me after the podcast ends. And I know I'm going to have all you people hitting me up in the comments. Oh, that's this guy. That's this guy. I think it's like Griff Garrison or some shit like that. But anyway, him, him. The matchup ends when Kenny Omega and the the Good Brothers get the victory here. I give this matchup two out of five stars. It was a lot of uh, a lot of just beatdowns and a lot of heat. For some reason, I feel like it should have been reversed, booked, because Kenny Omega got a lot of heat from the babyfaces, where it should have been the the heels really just beating down the babyfaces here, especially the way that the Varsity Blondes have been booked so far. And this is the debut of a wrestler. It should have been a complete domination here for the Elite. But instead, it wasn't. This matchup took a lot of time and it did not make look it didn't make the elite look as strong as I think they should have been after how last week's episode ended. So it wasn't anything too special. But the finale of this match, after the match ends, John Moxley comes out. He has no fear. He enters the ring three out one. He starts fighting down the elite. This leads to the jumping of John Moxley. They three on one attack him. For some reason, the Lucha Brothers come out. They even the odds. So I don't know if they're Death Triangle or if they're just over here, Team AEW here. But they even the odds. This leads to a massive brawl. The locker room empties. We got the Young Bucks finally coming out. It looks like they're trying to talk sense into John Moxley. And then the Lucha Bros attack the Young Bucks. So a lot of craziness here to end this segment. It was a better segment than it was a matchup. We got, after this... Britt Baker's waiting room. It was an interview, a supposed interview with Cody, which led to Jade Cahill coming back. She's talking shit to Cody, which led to Red Velvet taking Brandy's role, it looks like. She brawls with Jade Cahill. You got Reba or Rebel really annoying in the background. 
we got Britt Baker doing her best comedy gimmick here. This was just a train wreck. To be honest, this was the weakest part of Dynamite, and I did not give a rat's ass about this part of Dynamite. To be honest, I was falling asleep during this part of Dynamite. For some reason, this led to this transition to uh, Thunder Rosa saying that they will be wrestling her and, uh, and Britt Baker at Beach Break or whatever the show's being called, February 3rd. Once again, this was just really booked horribly, and I did not like it. Weakest point on Dynamite. This whole segment gets a zero out of five. Complete dud. Get a tag match here. We got Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy versus FTR. Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt come out to their new theme, Tarzan Boy, which was really cool because we know Tony Khan announced earlier in the week that he brought the full rights to that song. This was a really good matchup. I did not expect this to be good. I thought... Every time FTR interacted with Jungle Boy, it would be good. But surprisingly, I was impressed by Marco Stunt here. And this is the first time I'm saying this. Marco Stunt looked like he belonged in this match. And the story that they told of this young, brash kid going against these two men, it was really, really good and well done. And even JR admitted on commentary that he did not expect this to be a good match. But it's exceeding his expectations. This was a really good matchup. FTR picks up the victory. Right team went over. I've been giving this three out of five stars. Really good matchup, like I said. We got an NWA women's title match, Ty Conti versus Serena Deeb. This was a really good matchup as well. So now AEW's on a roll, a couple good matches in a row. Which led to the main event, which in my opinion was a hell of a matchup. For the, I don't know if the FTW title was on the line, but for sure the AEW TNT title was on the line. As Darby Allin faced Brian Cage, the machine, with Team Taz ringside and Taz on commentary. I thought that they were going to do the complete Brody Lee, Cody Rhodes gimmick here where Brody just destroyed Cody for the TNT title because that's what it looked like. From the jump, Darby got a few little moves in of offense on Brian Cage, but then Brian Cage absolutely decimated him, tossing him around the ring. Then body, I was called, pressing him and tossing him all the way to the outside through a table. That bloodies Darby Allen. Brian Cage is on him like a shark. He just destroys him throughout the match, tossing him all over. Breaking him down, throwing him to the outside again. Darby Allen is like a crash test dummy here, just flying all around. And Brian Cage looks like a monster here. After Darby Allen started getting a little offense in, we had an interference from Ricky Starks, which led to a return. Well, not really a return. He's been seen every freaking week. But the return here on AEW Dynamite of Sting, and Sting evens the odds. He takes out Ricky Starks. This is the first time we see Sting actually get physical in the ring so far. He hits Ricky Starks with the bat. This leads to Darby Allen hitting a huge crucifix bomb onto Brian Cage. One, two, three. He overcomes the odds. Darby Allen is still your AEW TNT champion. This is a 3.5 out of 5 star match. My match of the night. I really enjoy this. This was a good show. It was not as good as last week's. Last week's show felt more like a pay-per-view style show. And this was being a part two. It was clear from the way that it looked on camera and the piped in crowd noise that this was a taped show. And I don't know if that took a little away from it. But I always noticed that AEW Live is always 10 times better than AEW taped. So maybe that's what kept this from hitting that next level. But overall, I enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for everybody who's listening. Hope you guys all tune in Friday for Brand Supremacy and tune in next Monday for the fight for Monday Night Raw versus WCW Nitro. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Take care. 
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. 